Well, today is Miracle Sunday part two. That's right. This year, we're not doing one Miracle Sunday. We're doing two. If you got your Bible, let's go to Ephesians chapter three. I'm gonna read it in the message version. Listen to what Paul says. He says, my task is to bring out into the open and make plain what God who created this in the first place has been doing in secret behind the scenes all along. Paul says, here's my task to bring out into the open, to make it plain. You know, you know what God's plan is, what God's been working behind the scenes all along? His plan is to make Jesus known. In fact, Paul uses a Greek word in this passage called photosay, which simply means to turn on the light so that people can see. I really believe when it comes to church, that's what you and I are called to do. We're called to turn on the light so people can see. You know, today, uh, this world is a dark place. There's a lot of dark things going on and it's so easy to get accustomed to the dark. It's like when somebody comes and turns on the light first thing in the morning, it's like, I can't see because your eyes have got used to the dark. In fact, if you go into a, a dark room and in, in, in the first few moments, you can't make out anything. But if you stay in that dark room over time, slowly you'll be able to distinguish what's, what's in the room. You, you, you won't quite be able to see it, but you'll be able to make some things out. I, I believe you and I have been entrusted with turning on the light when it comes to Jesus. The, the church has been entrusted with the, the revelation of Jesus. Jesus wasn't just a man. He, he was the Son of God. And the mystery of Christ has been revealed. The, the veil has been lifted. The light has been switched on. I like what Nicky Gumbel says. In fact, I was reading in my devotion this week. He said, reading the Old Testament is like you're going through a dark room full of furniture. You get a sense of what's in the room. You know, you, you can fill it out. There's sofas, there's chairs, there's pictures there, but, but, but you don't really see what's going on. In fact, you know, in a dark room, that's where you can stub your toe. And that's what reading the Old Testament is like. And many people read the Old Testament and go, man, I don't understand anything of that. But when we read the New Testament, what happens is the light is switched on in the room. See, religion, the law, sin keeps the room dark. That's if you're to read the Old Testament alone, you go, man, I don't get this. That's why many people who just quote the Old Testament but don't read it through a New Testament point of view, that they remain in the dark. In fact, St. Augustine, he said, in the Old, the New is concealed. But in the New Testament, the Old is revealed. You know, I just saw The Tenant this week. Some of you may have watched it. It's about time travel and everything going on there. And in first instance, it's a little bit of a mind mender. It's like, what's going up, going on here? In fact, you probably need to watch it several times to work out what is going on. But many people could come out of a movie like that and go, man, I'm still in the dark. I don't get it. And sadly, there's many people when it comes to the kingdom of God and when it comes to Jesus, that they're in the dark. But the Bible and the plan of God has a code that, that, that can be unlocked, only be unlocked by the Spirit of God. And you and I carry that code. We're here to turn on the light 
so that people get a revelation of Jesus. See, the whole Bible, the, the whole of God's plan centers around Jesus. Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And we as a church have been entrusted not to run an institution where we sing a few songs on a Sunday and preach a message. You know, we've, we've been entrusted not my people around. This isn't just a good idea. This is a God idea. But, but what you and I have been entrusted more than that to do is to turn the lights on and reveal Jesus. We're, we're here to, to point the way and to clear the path so people can experience the love that we've experienced, the grace that has saved us. See, if people really understood who Jesus was, there'd be no limitations as to what God could do. You know, if people really captured who Jesus was, they'd want to be around Him. There'd be no too big of an ask. There'd be nothing, oh, well, that, that's over the top. See, one thing I, I, we've got to understand about Christianity Christianity is not something where you're chased out of your old life. Christianity is about being drawn into a new way of doing things. And that only happens through following Jesus. When it comes to the church, Jesus is the head of this thing. And the reason we've got a good thing going on here is because of Him. We in ourselves, we're nothing special. But when Jesus is at the center of a group of people, that's where miracles take place. And what Miracle Sunday is, it's an opportunity to turn the lights on. It's an opportunity to amplify the message of Jesus. The question is, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, in our lives, is the revelation of Jesus to the world being made clearer or is it, made more muddy? Is it becoming muddy? Or is it distorted? Because I believe as time, the light got brighter. In fact, Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 60, verse one. He said, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon who? It rises upon you. That's right, you and your neighbour. God's glory, the glory of the Lord rises upon you. In fact, Jesus put it this way. In Matthew chapter five, again, reading from the message version and in verse 14, he says, here's another way to put it. You are here to be light. I want you right now to turn to your neighbour and I want you to look them in the eyes and say, you are here to be light. You are here, that's our purpose. We're here to be light, bringing out the God colours, the God colours in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, don't think that I'm going to hide you under a bucket. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Yeah, that's our mission. That's our purpose. See, what we're going to understand is there's, nothing, there's never been anything wrong with the message. There's never been anything wrong with Jesus. He's perfect. But the problem over centuries is the church hasn't been able to communicate accurately the message. 
And people have got a distorted view of who Jesus is. See, our methods and sometimes the messenger us, we haven't done the message justice. Now, now think about this, because this is huge. Because it's huge. There's a huge amount of trust from God to us that, that, that God would trust us to represent Him. That's huge. That, that He would choose us, the church, as His vehicle to reveal Jesus to the world. That, that's massive. Listen to what Paul says in, in Ephesians 3. He says, God's purpose in all this is that He would use the church. That's why the church is a great thing to invest into, be a part of. Yeah, He'd use the church to display His wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. God wants to use the church to reveal the manifold wisdom of God, as another version would say. God's wisdom is multifaceted. It's beyond human wisdom. And we as the church are called to display it. We're called to turn the lights on so people have, ah, moments, ah, ah get it. I, I've been groping around in the dark, you know, not knowing what's going on. But, but now I realize, see, three things. This is the way. Three things in which we, the way in which we turn on the light. Number one is we turn on the light through the power of the gospel. True power doesn't come from a position or title or our achievements. True power doesn't come from lording it over people. I've got power over you or dominating people. Power in the Bible comes from the gospel. And that's why Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. Come on, let's all say that out loud. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I reckon the devil's been good at getting people to be ashamed of the gospel because he knows that there's power when the good news of Jesus is preached. It's the greatest message on the face of the earth. See, religion binds people up, but the gospel of Jesus sets people free. It brings people to a place of freedom where they, they understand it doesn't matter where they've been, what they've done. It doesn't matter how bad it's got. There's a way out there. There's hope. And if you'd believe, as this verse says, you'd have access to the power of God. We're not ashamed of the gospel at Equipus Church. You know, we want it preached, talked about. Uh, we, we want it to spill over into people's lives, whether it be in our kids' programs, our youth, students, young professional families, Equipper's Life. Uh, those, those Equipper's Life are uh, people with a few years under their belt. But, but here's, the, here's the deal. Salvation is to everyone who believes. This is the greatest message. And we need to amplify that, that sound so that the lights can be turned on in people's lives. Uh, the other way that you and I turn on the lights is, is through the power, number two, the power of unity. Uh, Jesus is on display through our unity. Now, the world can do some pretty cool stuff today. 
all the technology out there, the buildings they're building, the architecture. You know, it can do some, some pretty cool stuff. And in a lot of places, people are doing it without God. My question is, what can you and I do with God? They can do that without God. Surely we could do a whole lot more. Now, in a lot of places, it's normal for families, relationships, and businesses to fracture and separate when there's an offense. Well, I'll just leave you somewhere back there or over there, and I'll move on. And there's a lot of fracture today. There's a lot of difference of opinion when it comes to politics. And right now, there's a, a divisive spirit. It always happens around elections that wants to separate people, you know, put people on the left or the right. You know, when it comes to, to, to sport, you know, or, you know, these difference of opinions. But, but in life, we can be hurt. We can, you know, have somebody betray us. And, and, and what that does is it, it separates us. In fact, I like this statement. Some of you heard it before. It, it, the statement is, to err is human, but to forgive is divine. The fact that some of us are still in the room today is proof that Jesus is real. Because we've had to overcome some things that are insurmountable to the world. And what you've got to understand, it's only the forgiven who can really, truly forgive. And this is why, you know, our unity displays Jesus because we can overcome things others can't because number one, we're being reconciled to God. We're being forgiven. And it's only through that reconciliation that's taken place to God that we can be reconciled to one another. In fact, the psalmist said this in Psalm 133 verse one, it says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Unity. Unity identifies us. In fact, Jesus said it's our love for one another that will distinguish us as His disciples. Now, what we've got to understand, when it comes to mission and purpose, there's many roads that lead to Rome. There's many different ways that we can get to our destination. But I'm of a belief you've got to choose one. Better to get on the road. Now, sadly, for many years, the churches had debates as to what's the best way to get there. I just say, pick a way and get on the road. One thing I like when traveling is I like going to Germany because in Germany, they have an autobahn. And on the autobahn, there's no speed limit. That's cool. No speed limit. You can go as fast as you want. You know, I was driving 180K, Porsche, Ferrari, going past, just past. I don't know what speed they were doing, but they were going fast. Do you know there's not that many fatalities on the Autobahn? It's about similar to our roads here in New Zealand, but they have a road without limit. But one thing I noticed, uh, you know, when it comes to German drivers on the road is uh, you notice on the Autobahn, there's no trucks in the fast lane. Now, how many get frustrated by the trucks in the fast lane? It's like, what are you doing there? What are you doing there? Or, you know, you got some people who think it's their right to be in the fast lane. But the difference between New Zealand and, and German drivers is, is they will stay over to the edge of the road 
unless they're passing. They'll pass and they'll pull back over so, so that fast people, the fast lane remains clear. And, and they have a road without limit. I, I reckon the church would, would be a place without limit if we had a unity of the Spirit. We would say, we're just getting on the road. Yeah, it may or may not be the best way to get there. But the most important thing is that we get there. And, and unity, what unity does is it releases, as we find out later in Psalm 133, it releases the blessing of God. Come on, how many want the blessing of God in their life? God commands, not suggests, He commands a blessing when the people are united. So, so we turn the lights on. Number one, we, we turn the lights on through, help me out here. We turn the lights on through the power of the gospel. Number two, we turn the lights on through, you getting this, the power of unity. And number three, we turn the lights on through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when it comes to Jesus, Christ is not Jesus's last name. It's a description. Christ is a description of who He is. He's the anointed one. Well, what you're going to understand, when it comes to representing God, we can't fully represent God without the Holy Spirit. That's why the disciples had to wait in the upper room to receive the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that, that when they receive the Holy Spirit, they receive power to be witnesses. See, we don't represent Jesus in our own strength. We represent Him when we understand what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's then and there we can be witnesses to the world around us. You know, normal Christianity is found in the life of Jesus. I like what Bill Johnson said. You know, many people look at Jesus and go, well, that's just unattainable. But Jesus didn't come to earth to display what God could do. He came to display what you and I could do in relationship, if we're in relationship and communion with God. That's big. In fact, Jesus said that you and I will do even greater things. But so many of us, live beneath that. Yeah, I'm really believing today for, for miracles to take place because that's what will happen. And that's what will follow those who believe. They'll do signs and wonders. Now, now many people have theories in life, but I, I challenge to say every theory needs a place of application. And the greatest learning that you and I experience in any field in life is is, is when we apply what we think we know. I've found, you know, learning happens often on a need-to-know basis. We find ourselves in a position of need, so we go searching for the information that's going to help us out of that place. Uh, that's why I often think God puts us in uncomfortable places. He does it so that we have to rely on God. And when we're in those uncomfortable places, we discover more of who God is. In fact, the greatest adventure in the Christian life is discovering something new. There's always more to know about God. And, it, and it's doing something that you've never done, done before. Now, in the book of James, James says this. He says, when it comes to the Word of God, let's be doers of the Word, not hearers only. 
Because if we're hearers only, we, are, we deceive ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his face in a mirror, looking into the mirror. He observes himself and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. So I don't want this message just to be short-lived. In fact, it only becomes long-lasting though if we continue in it, if we do something with it. You know, who continues in it and is not a forgetful hero, it goes on, but a doer of the work, of the work this one will be blessed in what he does. Yeah, you know, I really believe right now there's an enemy out there who wants to stop a group of people acting on the Word of God. In fact, there's a spirit out there that's trying to intimidate people out of taking a step, even when it comes to being part of a miracle offering. It's like, don't do that. Don't, well, what? You know, it's all right to believe, but don't actually take action on it. In fact, I reckon the devil is like, you know, every time we hear a good word is, okay, what are you going to do about it? And the it's implied that in a lot of places, you're going to do nothing. See, if he can keep you barren through an activity, and if he can keep your faith fruitless, what you're going to do is you're going to end up frustrated, disillusioned with God, the church, and oh, well, you know, this word doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work because you never put it to action. See, so often we, we draw lines in the sand, saying to ourselves, you know, if you cross that line, we do it with our kids all the time. You know, we draw lines. If you do that again, there's no dessert. Or if you do that again, one last time, Christmas is canceled. But how many know Christmas is always going to happen? And we draw lines, but the enemy is like, he knows, you know, oh, you're not really going to follow through on that. And so time and time again, he crosses over those lines. And, and there's a test to see whether, hey, are you actually going to follow through on what you believe? He's testing what we're going to do about it. It's almost like he's playing chicken with us. But what we've got to access in times like that is we've got to access God's anointing. Because God's anointing, here, here's what God's anointing does, is it destroys yoke. You know, the enemy bets that, that you aren't going to do anything about it. Oh, well, you know, you hear a message, then you're going to go away. It's going to be the same old, same old. You're going to talk about it, but you're going to do nothing with it. You know, oh, you've got good intentions. But how many know good intentions don't change the world? And this is why we need the anointing, because the, the anointing breaks the yoke. It's found, this verse is found in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. It says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Now, some of you are going, what's a yoke? A yoke is not the yellow parts of the eggs. That's not what's being referred to here. It's a joining piece between two oxen or two animals. And what yokes are designed to do is they are designed to make us more effective. You, you, you yoke, you join together two draft horses. You know, by themselves, they can pull two ton. But if you yoke them correctly, together they can pull 20 ton. There's a multiplying effect. But here's the thing, sometimes we can be yoked to things that are incompatible with God's purpose and destiny for our lives. 
And whatever we're yoked to, this is really important. It's so important that what we're yoked to is going in the direction that we wanna go. That's why I often say to people, let God's purpose choose your relationships. Because then you'll be effective in what you're called to. Yeah, you know, what you're yoked to also needs to have the same power horse. It's no 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 good yoking a big horse to a small horse. You know, otherwise they're just gonna go around in circles. And that's why the, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. Sometimes our life and purpose in God can get frustrated because we're yoked to the wrong things. Now in church we hear a lot about the anointing. People go, well, what's the anointing? You know, we hear things like touch not God's anointed, He's anointed, she's anointed. And there's a lot of ambiguity around the term anointing because people assume that the anointing is, is manifest by an outward expression. It's like if you shake or you quiver, you jerk, you're anointed, but if you don't, you're not. One thing is the anointing, get this, the anointing is attracted to your originality. And the anointing is when you're endowed by God to function in a particular way. Whenever God anointed someone, He anointed them to do something. Yes, that's right. It was not an anointing for entertainment. So you could say, look at me, I'm, I'm anointing. No, the, the, the anointing causes you to function in a capacity and with capabilities beyond your own ability. That's what the anointing is about. A lot of people who are docile, lazy and slothful, even fearful, timid and insecure have never really seen the anointing of God in their life because why? Why? They, they don't function. The anointing is for people who are gonna do something. If you're not gonna do anything, why would God anoint you to sit and be cute? Why would God anoint you to make excuses and procrastinate? and lay back and leave it to somebody else. No, no, the anointing is powerful. And that's how we turn the lights on. See, the anointing is the silent influence that comes alongside you when you're witnessing, when you're talking to someone, when you're counseling somebody, when you're reading. It comes along and makes things live. It comes with you, whether you're writing music or doing assignment. It's that thing that kicks in on the, on the inside. It's like then words come, innovation happens and things come together. Right now, we need some anointed people in this world. We need anointed teachers, anointed business people, anointed social workers, anointed politicians. See, when God anoints you, you may or may not quiver, shake, rattle or roll, but one thing will happen is, is you'll never meet anointing a, a person who's anointed who's not effective. When God anoints you, He anoints you to be effective. He anoints you to be effective in your parenting, in your singing, dancing, in business. And that, that's what the anointing is. The anointing is there to get results. Right now, if there's lack, if there's barrenness in your life, sometimes it's a result of what you're yoked to. And the yokes that have been placed on us from a young age, they can be people's words. Oh, you're stupid, you're ugly. And every time you're about to do something, what they said at seven is now affecting you at 37. And what these words are doing is they're limiting your movement and mobility. You'd be shocked right now at the people in this room who'd be further on if they didn't have to deal with wrong yokes. You know, the people who you're around every day. You may not know who they really are because you've never seen them free of that yoke. 
Yeah, they may have some success. They may have accomplished some things, but they've done it under pressure, under weight. And we owe it to ourselves to see how much further we'd be along without that yoke. See, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. You know, some of us right now, we need to get some stuff off us that's been weighing us down. See, that yoke that restricts you, limits you, holds you. That yoke that distorts your perception, affects your appetites. That yoke that changes your views or drives your passions or upsets your nerves. That, that yoke that controls your personality and disorients your spirit. That, that, you know, those things that, that make you crave for attention or even run from attention. You know, those yokes that make, make you Ill- illogical or out of control. Those things God wants to break from your life. You're not like that because you're a bad person. You're like that because of the yoke. See, I want to say today, there's nothing wrong with the ox. There's nothing wrong with you. Here's the good news of Jesus. There's nothing wrong with you. You're being created in the image of Christ, but there is something wrong with what you're attached to. And it's only the anointing that breaks the yoke. I wonder what would happen if you got that thing off your neck? Some of you, it's been passed down through your parents. You know, we live in a, a world where it's trying to be smoke-free. It's interesting in these referendums right now, you know, smoke-free New Zealand, but we want to legislate cannabis. By the way, when it comes to the referendums, I'm not telling you what party to vote for, but in the referendums, as Christians, come on, we need to vote no when it comes to cannabis and when it comes to the end of life bill. You know, I pray that we, we, we hold the sanctity of life uh, you know, in, in, a, in a special place. You know, I believe you know, the, these referendums can, can open the door to a whole lot of pain and destruction. But smoking, you know, if a mother smokes, she ingests nicotine into her body. Do you know that nicotine can affect an unborn embryo? So much so that when the baby is born, they have that addiction to nicotine. Yeah, they never smoked a cigarette, but it, but it affected them. What's in the, the mom is in the, in the baby. And here's the deal. It, it's the same in the spirit. Like, like it is with a little a baby. If the mom doesn't get loose, the child doesn't get loosed. If the dad doesn't get loosed, it affects the child. What we're doing by turning on the light is we're breaking generational cycles. And this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter four, his mission, his mandate. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has what? Anointed me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You may be bound, but you don't have to stay bound. You may have an addiction, but you don't have to keep that addiction. How do you know whether you're bound or not? It's when you can't stop doing the thing that you don't want to do. You've got to understand, we turn on the light, not through good messages and nice songs. We turn on the light when we carry God's anointing. Listen to 1 John chapter 2, and I'm almost done. 1 John 2, 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. We turn on the light when we step into God's anointing. And we as a church, we're here to turn on the light. Now what our giving today is it enables the light in our city to get brighter. 
so people can see. At the moment, there's a whole lot of darkness in this world. We need to turn on the light and we need to keep the light on for generations. That We're going to leave it on. Ephesians 5, verse 8 to 10, it says, For you're once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. You're a child of light. And what we're doing today is we're doing a significant act where I believe many more people are going to have aha moments because the light is going to go on and they're going to discover who Jesus is. Uh, Today, if you don't know Jesus, friend, God loves you. He's got a plan and purpose for your life. And you can know His Lordship in your life if you just open your heart to Him. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'd love to include you in that prayer. Because if you say this prayer along with me, I believe Jesus will enter your life right where you are. He'll forgive you of your sin. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. He'll forgive you of your sin. He'll give you a brand new start. And He'll give you hope for eternity. So right where you are, wherever you're watching this from, if you need to receive Jesus, how about praying this prayer with me right now? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, today I open my heart to You and I ask You to come in and be my Lord and Saviour. I acknowledge my sin and I thank You for dying on the cross and rising again that I might have a new life. Today I give my heart to You and I confess You are my Lord and Saviour. We pray this in Your name. Amen, amen, amen.